0: If we're honest, you and I are portraits of God's grace, because that 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 story is a picture of us. We we messed around and we 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 jumped in sin and we messed with sin. And in His great grace, God put His Son on a cross so He could shower us. Ephesians one says that He could let la- that He lavishes grace upon us, and that's really what I want to see today. If you would turn to Deuteronomy ten, we're gonna continue our journey in Deuteronomy for a few more weeks. We're gonna Stop in December and do a a christmas uh story uh series as well but i I want us to see in chapter ten today i want to see I want us to see god's grace in the law today we're we're about to embark on some some interesting chapters and and God is going to teach us through Moses some very interesting truths and, and interesting aspects of the law. And if we don't understand God's grace in the law and why God gave the law, it's not going to make sense. I mean, if I ask you right now, why did God give the law? I wonder how you would answer. I wonder if you would be able to answer. Why did God give the law? And, and what we have here in chapter 10 is, is a recount of, even even this is a great picture of grace. Israel has sinned mightily. Moses is on the mountaintop uh, with the Lord. He comes down with the Ten Commandments, and when he gets to the bottom of the hill, Israel has made a golden calf. They're worshiping an idol. Moses shatters the tablets. God basically says he's done. He says, "Moses, I'm just going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over with you." And Moses intercedes on behalf of Israel, on behalf of the people, and he pleads with God. He begs for God not to do that. For his glory, for God's glory meaning, for His character, and in God's great grace, Moses and God answers Moses' prayer, and God gives them the tablets again. See, it's a picture of grace. God not only gives His word, but listen to me, God keeps His word. And the choice is ours as to how we respond to that word. Deuteronomy is about the people of God listening to the word of God and responding correctly. The previous generation did not respond correctly and they died in the wilderness. This new generation is sitting on the cusp of inheriting the promised land and Moses is recounting to them the law. That's really what Deuteronomy is. He's reminding them things haven't changed. The same choice is before you that was before the previous generation. How will you respond to the word of God? And what we're going to see here is the issue has always been and always will be faith. You're not saved by works. You're saved by faith. You are saved by responding to the word of God by faith. And we will see that. Please keep that in mind as we look at the law, not only today, but over the coming weeks. And the question legitimately becomes, if faith is the issue, if you're saved by faith, then why the law? Why the law if the issue is grace? And that's what I want to answer today. It is imperative that we understand clearly and rightly the role that the law played within the people of, of Israel and also within the context of what God is doing. If we're going to understand it rightly, we better understand and grasp these three things that we're going to talk about today. Otherwise, it's going to be real confusing. Everything that we see as we walk through Deuteronomy, you're going to have to take back to these three things really today and file them away. And sift them and filter them through what we see today. The law was good. Please understand that. Do not forget that. When we think of the law, we, I promise you, most of us in here, we think negatively. But the law was good. It was people's response to the law that made it bad. Scripture everywhere. You go back to the Old Testament. Old Testament saints who knew what it was, they referred to the law rightly. They knew that the law was good. They delighted in the law. They said it was sweet. They said it was like honey to their lips. They loved the law. See, we must develop a proper mindset regarding the law. And otherwise, again, we're not going to be able to deal with the coming chapters if we don't understand rightly what God was doing here with the law. If we don't, listen, if we don't don't see it through God's eyes, through the reason and the motivation God had for giving it, it's not going to make sense. If we don't get through our heads just how awesome God is. How holy he is, how set apart he is, that he alone is worthy of worship, that he alone is worthy of praise, that he alone is worthy of glory. If we don't grasp that and so much more, the law is not going to make sense. See, when somebody says, What was the big deal about the law? Here's the thing God is the big deal about the law. God is the big deal. God's glory is the big deal. That God being alone, worthy of worship, is the big deal. That God is completely set apart and He wants His people completely set apart from that of the world. That's the big deal. Because it is a a, a responsibility that we have to represent Him and to represent Him rightly. That's the big deal. And God gave the law... So they could do that. So his people would be different from the culture around them. So that when people saw his people, they would see something different. It would be a reflection of him. And and there's so much more. The law was good in all it did and that it pointed to. It was a gift of grace. God loves his people. But he will not settle for less than perfection from his people. Why? Because he's perfect. And he's saying, if you're going to represent me, if you're going to represent me, you're going to have to be perfect. And here's the thing, so much so, God desires that we be perfect so much so, he demands that we be perfect so much so, that he was willing to put his own son on a cross. Because in that, we could never be perfect. His son was perfect. And he said, I'll sacrifice my own son who is perfect, spotless, the unblemished lamb, I will sacrifice him and I'll give you the credit. I'll give you the righteousness that I demand. But in order for you to receive that, you're going to have to receive Christ's gift by faith. And by faith, you're going to have to live that that is true, because it is true. And the law is pointing to this. Please remember this, the law is pointing to that. We're going to see today that the whole law, the whole point of the law, Galatians three twenty four, it was a tutor to lead us to Christ. The law led directly to Christ, so let's see that today. First thing, God gave the law as an expression of his character. First truth you've got to remember about the law, it is an expression of God's character. It is a glimpse of character into his character. I I, I was, as I was doing this, um, some of you, I know I've said this before, y'all like to guess at what the fill-ins are. I'm going to tell you, they all start with E and that was by accident. I had the first and the third one and I was working on the second one. The first and the third ended in E and I said, well, I got to make the the second one end in E. So they're all E's. So go ahead. I'm going to give you a clue. They're all E's. But the law was an expression The law exposed God's character. It revealed, if you will. I could have put it revealed his character, but then they wouldn't have all started with E. But, But again, in doing this, in exposing God's character, the law basically served two functions, and here it is. The law enabled Israel to learn about the character of God. To learn about the character of God. See, if God did not reveal himself... We, we would have not known all of this about him. There's only so. Again, he has revealed himself in creation, but those are general characteristics. You would have not known specially what God was like. And the law began to reveal more and more and more about the character of God. God was introducing himself. He was revealing himself, if you will, to Israel. Israel saw God through the law. When they read the law, they were reading about God's character. It was more than just a simple set of rules to follow. It was the character of God. It would teach them about their great God. It would teach them how to love their great God. It would teach them the great love that their God had for them. It would teach them mercies. It would teach them how to respond, all of that. You go back to Deuteronomy 6. They, they served an awesome God. In Deuteronomy 6, what they would teach all their kids, see, see, hero oh Israel, today, the Lord is one. He's unique. He's set apart. He's different. When, when you saw the law, you saw how awesome God was. You saw what He had done. and you, The response was to be love. Everything, everything revolved around that. A love for God. Go back to Deuteronomy 6. They were to love God. And, and the love for God was not fueled. It was not nurtured. It was not motivated by some image. It was motivated by the person of God, how he had revealed himself and how he had acted on Israel's behalf. That motivated the love. It wasn't some image. It was the real deal. Not something thing made by wood or carved by hands. It was the real deal, the living God. And he had revealed himself. And God gave the law as an expression of love. He loved his people. He had chosen Israel, Deuteronomy 7. He chose them when they were nobodies. And God chose Israel and then expre- revealed himself through the law. He, 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 he said, hey, you look at the law, you'll see me. You'll see how you're to come together. You'll see how it all relates as a people. Again, you must read the laws this way. It was a command to love God. Their obedience was out of a love for God. It was to nurture God. He was telling them, look, you don't merit my favor, you don't earn my favor. I'm bestowing my favor upon you. It's grace. I'm giving you the law. It was to prompt a worship and a love. And that's why Moses has done everything he's done and we've seen is to show Israel that they were God's people not because of their own doing, not because of their own merit, not because they were the obvious choice. It was grace. It was grace. The Israel was a nobody. They were the smallest of all nations, and God chose them, and then as an expression, He gave them the law. He revealed Himself to them. But not only was it a revelation of Himself it was so that they would learn how to represent God to other nations around them. So not only was God in the law teaching them, be there on your handout is God was showing them how to represent him or to the other nations around them. See, the law defined the relationship between God as king and the people of his servants. It was the, it was the, the, the particulars, if you will, about the covenant that God had made with that people. He redeemed them out of bondage in Israel. He saved them. He chose them. And he was saying, look, I'm holy. I'm righteous. You see that in the law. And I can only bless you. We can only walk together. We can only be unified if you represent my character character accurately. I'm holy, therefore you must be holy. See Leviticus 11.44. See Leviticus 19.2. You could take that all the way, just so you know it hasn't changed. First Peter 1, 15 and 16. Be holy, for I am holy. The issue is holiness. The issue is righteousness. As the people of God, the law was given to show them how to live as the people of God. It was a gift. No different than in your home. You have particular set of, hey, this is how the Bashams do it. This is how the Glicks do it. This is how the Nobles do it. This is how, this is how I'm going to run my home. God says, if you're going to be my people and you're going to represent me. This is how you got to do it. It it was an expression of his character in that he doesn't leave his people in the dark. Wondering about him or wondering how they're to live. Wondering how to have a relationship with. No, he reveals himself. He doesn't leave them wondering how to experience blessing. He doesn't leave them wondering how to love him, how to worship him. None of that. He explicitly outlined it in the law. But, but not only that, Israel was always hear me, Israel was always intended to be a light to the other nations we We think missions started in matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty israel had a had a had a missional function even in their day. They were to be a light to the nations around them. You see that all throughout Isaiah. They were to be a light to the they were to expose express God's character to the nations around them. Other nations around them would have looked and said, how does this tiny little nation go from a few people, now they're two million? How does this happen? You know what Israel would say? God is how it happens. Our Father is how it happens. Israel was meant to be a means of communicating God's truth to the nations around her. They were to communicate God's truth to the nations around her, to a watching world. They were to represent their father. You can go all the way back to Genesis 1, through 28. That was always the deal to represent. We were to be representative rulers on behalf of God. They would obey God's law. God would bless their socks off. Other nations around them would say, how is this happening? The answer would be God. And I hope you see in that that the law was grace. It was a gift of grace. God didn't have he he chose to do that. He chose to reveal himself. But but don't think don't stop with Deuteronomy. Think about God's commands today, even right now, regarding yours and mine's life and the gift of this Bible. Grace. The Bible, the Bible, just like the law, this Bible is not a burden. It's not a means of meriting God's favor. It's a gift of Grace. You and I today have been set apart by God. He has not left us alone as orphans. He's he's not left us alone in trying to understand what He's like or understand what is required of us or understand how we relate to Him. He's not left us in the dark when it comes to how how does this interaction work and and how do I approach you and how do I have my sins forgiven and all that. No, He's been very explicit to tell us in His Word. He's given us the Word for good, for our good. Just like Israel recognizes, what we have here is a treasured possession. It reveals God. So read it, listen to it, learn from it, put them on your heart, just like we saw in Deuteronomy. Put them on your heart, put them around your neck, bind them on your neck, write them on your foreheads, write them all over your house. Why? Because this is an expression of God. And the problem is, is that we, we, as we look into God's law, and and this was part of the goodness of God, as we look into this law and see the character of God revealed, you realize quickly one thing. We don't measure up. When you look at God's law, when you look at what He's written down and how we're to represent Him, you realize real quickly, we're not perfect. We're not righteous. So there's a problem. And that, but the law was good in that. If there's a problem with my health, I want Michael Cromer, that's my, I want him to tell me. I want him to tell me. I want him to show me. I don't want him to act like things fine when it's not. Tell me. And God is telling his people, you don't measure up. And that's the second act of grace in the law. God gave the law in order to expose, that's the E, expose the sinfulness of man. Very clearly, when you, look at, when you see the law, you realize real quickly, I don't measure up to God. As Romans 3 would say, we fall short. When, when you look at an expression of the character of God and you compare it to your life, we fall short, and that was the whole point. And see, the law was purposed to lead us to Christ, and that's what I want us to see today. When we look at the character of God, we see a holy God, a righteous God. And if we're to represent him, we have to represent him perfectly. If we're to be like him, we have to be perfect because he is perfect. Look with me. flip over from Deuteronomy 10 to Deuteronomy 11, verses 8 and 9. And you see this phrase over and over and over again throughout the Bible, but especially here. Verse 8 of Deuteronomy 11. You shall therefore keep how many commandments? Every commandment. Not pick and choose. Not the ones you're good at, forget the ones you're bad at, not the easy ones. If you're going to represent me, if you're going to be like me, you do every single one of the commands. Keep every commandment. That's the standard. The standard is perfection. Israel would learn real quick, they were not perfect like their Heavenly Father was perfect. Israel would realize that they could not represent God, that they were sinners who fell short, but God, in His grace, knew that, and that's why you see the sacrifices. God knew His people would fall short of the law of attaining the level that was required. And God, in His great mercy and grace, built in sacrifices to atone for their sin, to atone for their falling short. Grace. When you see the sacrifices, when you see that Again, think of grace. Think of atonement. Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission of sin. I, I, I shouldn't say Hebrews 9 if I'm not 100% positive. For some reason, it seems like it's 922, but that may not be it. But, but, but listen, we fell short. Guess what? Sin required a, pa- a payment. There was a penalty to be paid because we fell short, and the penalty was death. Bottom line is this. God is righteous and we are not. God demanded perfection. Why? Because He is perfect. It is Hebrews 9.22. Without the shedding of blood, there isn't forgiveness. I, I Forgive me. I, 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 I take it serious. I don't want to misquote the Word of God. I don't want to misrepresent the Word of God. So forgive me while I was... I shouldn't just yell out things if I'm not 100% sure. So... That's the, it's the saying went in me coming out. We must understand this. God's perfect righteousness. Hear me. The issue is righteousness. I, I think we could all say that we're, a lot of us would say, oh, I'm good, I'm this, I'm that. Are you righteous? Are you righteous? See, that's the, that's the issue. God is perfectly righteous. If we're going to represent Him, if His people are going to represent Him, they have to be perfectly righteous. Israel realized real quick through the law that they fell short. When you think of righteous, think perfection. You can think holiness. He's perfect. But listen, just like in the Old Testament days, God's standard hasn't changed from then till today. Perfection was always the standard righteousness was always the standard. You can look at Matthew 20, Matthew 5, 20. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were the religious of the religious. You say, what? I have to be more than the Pharisees? Yes, you have to be more righteous than the Pharisees. Go flip over to Matthew 5.48. He says this: the standard is perfection. You must be perfect because your, father, your heavenly father is perfect. That's righteousness. The standard is perfection. Why? Because God is perfect. He wants his people to be perfect. If they're gonna represent him, they must be perfect. God is righteous, so there's a problem. You go to James 2:10. Look at James 2:10 says, if whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty, what? Of breaking the whole law. What God is teaching real quick through the law and even in the New Testament, being good enough doesn't cut it. You can't be good enough. It's not about being good enough. I, I quoted earlier 1 Peter 1.15, Therefore, as your Father is holy, you be holy. That's the standard. Holiness has always been the issue because God is holy. When you look at the law, keep that in mind. Holiness is the issue. Righteousness has always been the issue because God is righteous. And the law revealed that they fell short of God's holiness and righteousness. And that is grace. That is the grace of God helping them to understand that. Because the law in their grace said you're a sinner, you fall short, you have a problem. You're not righteous as your father is righteous. God never gave the law in order to provide salvation. Please hear that. He never was holding out saying, look, if you can be good enough, you can get saved through your works. Even in Deuteronomy 6, 25, he says, if you obey, if you obey this law, what does he say? It'll be righteousness for you. The issue is righteousness. But see, we're born with this problem. It's called sin. I don't become a sinner. I'm born a sinner. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. Psalm 139, David says, In sin my mother conceived me. She wasn't doing anything sinful. He's saying from the moment of conception, you know what you could label me as? Sinner. Sinner. Anyone who has had kids can testify the fact. You don't have to teach your kids to be foolish. Proverbs says folly is bound up in the heart of a child. It comes comes fully loaded. Your job as a parent, it says, the rod of discipline, got to get it out. I'm doing this for your good, Bradley, Sarah. I'm doing it. God did give the law to you, for you to earn your salvation. No man has ever been justified, made righteous through works. Scripture makes it clear over and over and over again, it's through faith. Faith is the issue. Flip with me over and we're going to be there. Keep your, keep your place in Deuteronomy 10. Flip to me to Galatians 3. We're going to park in Galatians 3. For, for a good bit. So just turn over to Galatians 3. Right after First and Second Corinthians. You have Galatians. It's right before Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. Uh, but I want to make this clear. Because we have to understand this. As we get into the details and the meat of the law. Look at verse 6 of, Jan- of Galatians 3. Even so, Paul writes. Even so, Abraham... What did he do? He believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham was the father of their nation. He's saying, you know how Abraham was saved? Because he believed. It was faith. There was not an Old Testament way to be saved and a New Testament way to be saved. It's always been by grace through faith in the revelation that had been given at that time. Abraham believed what God had revealed about himself. He believed it. He obeyed it. It was credited to him as righteousness. Why did he obey it? Because he believed it. It wasn't credited because he obeyed. His faith caused it to be credited. But but, but faith always is followed by obedience. You can't separate the two. God's righteousness was credited. It means he didn't earn it. He didn't merit it. He credited it. That's one thing that the bank will never do. They don't just credit you stuff. You deposit stuff, and then they give it to you. It's earned. Oh, we just decided to credit your account. Er. Guess what God does? By, by when we place our faith in Christ, He credits our account with righteousness. Are we righteous? Absolutely not. And yet, by faith, by our faith, God says, I'm going to see you through my son. I'm going to credit you with righteousness. The law showed them, even bef- and even before the law, listen... Abraham came along 430 years before the law existed. And he was still saved by grace through faith. You can see that in in Galatians 3. As you read on in there, he says, hey, the law law didn't come for 430 years after Abraham. Still, by grace through faith. My point is this. Salvation is not earned. It's not warranted. It's given by grace. Nobody could get to God through works and God is showing that why because you can't be good enough you have to be righteous you have to be perfect look at galatians 3:19 why the law then that's that's what i'm talking about that's my question why the law then look what paul says it was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made why the law it was added Go to verse 20. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. It is the law. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if the law had had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on the law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Why the law? To show you you're a sinner. The law was given to show you that you can't measure up. No matter how good you are, you're not righteous. I'm not righteous. If you're going to represent God, you have to be perfect. The moment you fall short, even as James 2.10, at one smallest inkling of the law, you've broken the whole law. You're not perfect. And what the law did was expose that we fall short of God's character, that we cannot represent God perfectly as His people. Look with me, I'll read it at Romans 3.20. You can just write it down there in your, in your notes. I'm trying to simplify those notes as best I can for you. And Romans 3.20 says this, Because by works of the law no flesh will be justified in His sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So answer, why the law it gave a knowledge of sin? God in the law, in His grace, was showing that you're a sinner, that you fall short, that nobody can be good enough, that we fall short of God's righteousness, and that creates a problem. If you look to the law, if you look to doing good to save you, you've got a big problem because the law exposes our sin. And what the law did was introduce very clearly to man that you have a sinful nature and that you are in need of forgiveness, you're in need of a savior you're in need of somebody to do if the if it's required to be perfect i need somebody to be perfect for me cuz i can't do it so somebody's got to do it for me galatians 3:21 introduces that idea as well he says paul writes Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? We saw it. May never be. For the law, if the law had been given that you could impart life, then righteousness would be through effort. But it's not. It's by grace. And the law, what the law did is is, is tell you very clearly, you're under a curse and it's called sin. You've been bound under a curse. The law teaches us that we're sinful and we cannot get to God on our own. Literally, as we saw, the law has shut up every single person in sin. The law presents a standard. We fall short. That's the problem. But that was the whole point. You fall short. You fall short of His standard. So not only did the law reveal God, express God's character, and expose our sinfulness, but here's the good news. This is where it was all headed. God gave the law in order to create an expectation for a Savior. God gave the law to create an expectation of a Savior. As I've said, we are not righteous. And that creates a problem. Because God is righteous. And see, the issue throughout all of Scripture, if you trace that word righteous, that is the issue. It's righteousness. It's not being good enough. It's about being righteous. And the gospel is God offering righteousness to us Through faith. Look at Romans. Listen to Romans 1. 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And here's the key. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. What did God do in the gospel? He's offered you righteousness. Righteousness. Through Christ, the righteousness of God has been revealed and it's been offered to you. He not only revealed God's righteousness, but it offered God's righteousness. Look over in Romans, flip over to Romans 3, 21 through 26 to to see this clearly. Paul just said that the law gave a knowledge of sin, but now, verse 21, here's the contrast, the whole, it's flipping. Romans 1, 2, and through 3.20 is telling all creation you are bound up in sin. Jew, Gentile alike, you're sinners. But now, that's the bad news, here's the good news. Apart from the law, see, apart from the law, separate from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. That word could say revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Do you see what Paul is saying there? What what witnessed the righteousness of God? The law and the prophets. What was Deuteronomy? The law and the prophets. The law. This is not a new thing. God's been telling them this all along. He, he's saying it's, it. witness it. Even the righteousness. Listen this. Verse twenty two of Romans three. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly displayed as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, is of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Why did God do everything that he did so he could justify you through Christ? And he would be perfectly righteous in doing that. He didn't gloss over your sin. He didn't sweep it under the rug. No, he bound all of us up in the sin of Adam and then put his son on a cross to die for those in Adam so that we could be righteous and God would be justified in justifying us. It's all about righteousness. When you look at the law, when you read these laws, it's showing you the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 21, He made Him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. You know what I get in place of my sin? I get righteousness by faith. By faith. I exchanged my sinfulness for God's righteousness by faith. I'm not not righteous, but I'm declared righteous. That's where sanctification comes in. I'm pursuing the righteousness that God has already placed upon me and declared me to be. That's why sin is so atrocious in the life of a believer, because it's not who you are. It's not what you've been declared to be. It doesn't represent God's character. God did for us in Jesus Christ what we could not do, Obey, fulfill the law perfectly. Christ came, obeyed the law perfectly, and then gave us the prize. That's how it all works. Galatians 3.24 says it very clearly. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. Why the law? To lead you to look for somebody else. To lead you to look for a Messiah to lead you, to lead Israel, to look to God, to provide somebody who would fulfill the law on their behalf. And that is exactly what God told them. In Deuteronomy 18, 15, mark this one in your Bible. Deuteronomy 18 and also verse 18. God says this, listen, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Moses is writing this from among you from your countrymen you shall listen to him verse 18 I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him that's Christ in Deuteronomy God is telling them through Moses I'm going to send some I'm going to send a true Israelite and he's going to die for your sins he'll represent you he'll be the one look for him look for the look for the per, per perfect prophet Look for the one different than Moses. Moses was far from perfect. You look for that prophet that is the exact representation of God, and this is how you'll know it. He's going to say the words of God. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he said and did everything to fulfill exactly what was required of the Messiah. John the Baptist, early in John 1 and 2, he says he's sitting in jail, and he says, Hey, go ask him. Are you the Messiah, or should we be looking for somebody else? He said, Tell them the lame lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak. Fulfilled prophecy. The hope, the law was pointing to Christ. The hope is in Christ. Jesus was uniquely able to pay for our sin, to atone for our sin. Why? Because he was perfect. He was the perfect representation. You look at John, no one has seen him except the only begotten. He has revealed him. Jesus revealed God perfectly, displayed him perfectly. And as such, he was uniquely able to pay for the sins of you and me and Israel. Moses was unable to pay for Israel's sins perfectly, but the greater prophet Jesus Christ would be. Jesus Christ took the curse of the law and he nailed it to a cross because it was fulfilled. So that sinners like you and sinners like me who do not deserve God's blessing can receive it. Who fall woefully short can be declared righteous. When we repent of our sinfulness and we believe in Christ, we exchange our sinfulness for God's righteousness. Not only that, he changes our heart You can look at Deuteronomy 30, 31. He promises, I'm going to give you a new heart. Jeremiah 31, 31, I'm going to give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, I'm going to give you a new heart. You go to Matthew 15, why do we need a heart? Why? Because out of the heart flows evil thoughts, murders, adultery, strife, all that. The problem with Chris Basham is my heart. It's not my behavior. i got a heart problem. And Jesus Christ gave me a new heart forgave me and gave me a new heart. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. He says, Moreover, the Lord God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. What will be happened with that? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. The very thing that is required of you, I will do in you and for you. You're to love the Lord God with all your heart. I'm going to circumcise your heart so you can do that. But it's through Christ. It's through Christ. Everything, what we're going to read in Deuteronomy, everything about the law was ultimately pointing to Christ for them to look to somebody, the Messiah, to do what was required on their behalf. And Jesus enables us to love the Lord because he gives us a new heart. And God followed through in exactly what He said He was going to do. God sent His Son, Jesus, to die for sinners. And everyone who trusts upon Jesus Christ, everyone who repents, who admits they're a sinner, repents of that sinfulness, purposes, and runs for Christ as hard as they can, He says to them, I'll give eternal life. I'll give you eternal life. Every single person, every single one of us in this room has a choice. It's interesting, in Deuteronomy 11... We'll see it. He says in verse 26, regarding the law, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you listen to the commands of the Lord your God, which I'm commanding you. And the curse if you do not listen to the commands of the Lord. says the same thing at the end in Deuteronomy thirty fifteen. Every single one of us in here today has the same choice. Repent of your sinfulness and receive Christ's forgiveness. The blessing, eternal life. Remain stiff-necked like Israel, think you can get to God on your own, reject the promise, reject Him, the curse is this, you're going to die and go to hell. I, I, I'm going to tell you exactly what the Bible says. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm simply delivering the mail. Every single person in here today has before you a choice. Live for Jesus, blessing. Reject Jesus and live for self, Curse. You cannot get to get God on your own. You can't marry it on your own. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough because you can't be perfect. Guess Jesus was perfect for you. Trust what Jesus has done to cover over your sins, to enter a relationship, a love relationship with the Lord who created you, and then go live for Him. Go live as somebody who has been brought back from the dead. That's the response. It's gratitude. It's responding to the mercies of God by giving your life. And, and, and this, is where Israel, this is where Israel and the law went sideways. You can look at Romans 10, and just for the sake of time, it says, but, seeking to establish their, but not accepting the righteousness that God had offered, they sought to establish their own righteousness. And how did they seek to do that? They tried to obey the law. Instead of receiving the righteousness that God had offered freely, they took it upon themselves to be righteous enough. And how'd that work for you, Israel? Not real good. It says, For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He has fulfilled the law. We, we can never be good enough. The law proves that. So here's my advice for you. Stop trying to do what can't be done. You cannot be good enough. You can't. You can't earn righteousness. And instead, here's what I would tell you. Fall on Christ. Live for Christ. Bask in the righteousness that He's freely offered. Now here's, don't even think that, well, that just means I live how I want to live. Not if you've received Christ's righteousness. If you think you received Christ's righteousness and go live however you want to live, you, trust me, you ain't received Christ's righteousness. You will live for him. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. But but here, choose life. Just like Israel, we have a choice before us. Choose life. Every day, choose life. Love him, listen to him, worship him, serve him. That's what Jesus came to do to offer you life. John 10 the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. How do you do that? By following Christ. It means less of Chris, more of Christ. And I have a choice every day. Whom am I, I going to live for today? John 3.30. De- he must increase, I must decrease. Every day when my he- feet hit the floor, less of Chris, more of Christ. Why? Because He has declared me righteous when I'm not. He's given me the gift of righteousness. Why? Because the law has been fulfilled. The burden is not there to be perfect. The burden is to, be whole, to, to, to love Him wholeheartedly and follow Him. And when I sin, when you sin, guess what I do? I repent of it, I bask in Christ's forgiveness, and I keep following. Because I don't have to be perfect. Because I'm following the one who was. The whole point of the law was to lead us to Christ. Everything that the law required of us, Christ did for us. That's why he could say, it's finished. It's finished. The requirements are fulfilled. It's finished. And keep that in mind. Don't forget it. As we look to the law, take it to Christ. When we see when we see all these... It's, when, what in the world is that calling for? Because that's how awesome God is. Why is it saying annihilate everybody? Because that's how perfect and holy and separate God is. Why is it saying don't do this and that? Because the world did that and God is saying, you're my people, don't be like the world. Be separate. And it all goes back to God. How awesome He is, but it also goes back to this. I'm going to send a savior one day. And he's going to die for your sins and he's going to give you what you cannot do. And his name is Jesus Christ. That is the point of the law. That is where Deuteronomy points to. It points to Christ. When you see the law, I hope that we will worship Christ who fulfilled the law. When we see these things, we ought to be grateful that we don't have to live under this.